Memphis Grizzlies select John Moran at the top of Memphis's draft board here at 21, I'm told, Gonzaga's Brandon Clark. The Memphis Grizzlies select Jaron Jackson Jr. Bridge makes it, you hear me? Hello and welcome into the newest episode of the Next Gen Podcast here on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. And I am joined by my fellow GBB writer, Andrew Katz. Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm good, Bryson. Thank you for having me on. Um, I'm excited to uh, talk about the Grizzlies today. Yes, of course. And I kind of wanted to do something a little bit different from this for this podcast. So I put out a tweet yesterday. And I asked for some questions. We're exactly 41 games into the Grizzly season at the perfect midway point. So I figured it would be a good time to ask for some questions from some of our listeners uh, to kind of see how they're feeling about the season and get our takes on some of the things they're asking. Uh, The first question that I want to answer is from Young Harriet from our Grizzly Twitter spaces. Uh, the first question is, Is what is the biggest surprise of the season? And is this where you expected the team to be at this point? So I'll be honest, I'll start. I did not expect them to start as well as they did. I figured that they were going to hit their stride around this point, but I didn't think they were already going to have as many wins as they had just because of the Jaron injury. And also when you consider that Desmond Bain has been out and stuff like that, I think that I think it's really actually remarkable that they're as good as they have been with all the injuries and stuff they've been through. Uh, and then for the biggest surprise of the season, like it's it's hard to pick just one because I feel like there's like a lot of stuff that you could go to. You could go to like Santi Aldama playing really well at the beginning of the season. I think that was a big surprise. Uh, but I I think overall, I think the biggest surprise, even though it sounds crazy, is that Jaron is as good as he actually is now. Like, I think that I think coming out of the offseason when he didn't get to play a lot, a lot of people were worried that he wasn't going to play well. And I think that he's kind of crushed all that. And I think I don't know if I would say that's the biggest surprise, but that's one of the things that I've been surprised about is how quickly Jaron got back into a rhythm, especially on offense. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I mean, I feel like there are a lot of ways you can go with this. Uh, I've been surprised by the emergence of Salty Aldama, like you. He's become a really big-time rotation player, and at the beginning of the year, he obviously did a great job, great job starting. Um, I was surprised by the leap, you know, before he got hurt that that uh, Deza took. It really looked like he was on that all-star caliber. Uh, he's working his way back from injury, though. But, I mean, just Jaron has been, like, historically good on defense. It's actually unreal. And then watching him really develop on offense he's been better from three he's understanding not to always take three-pointers like he's driving in to lane using his body the feed 13 agenda is you know very strong I would just say I've really never had more fun watching a player play defense I mean like on defensive possessions I'm just watching him where's he going and he's always trying to swat everything away uh it's a real it's just like such an experience and I'm really glad that he's really we always knew he had that uniform potential, but uh, and he's really finally living up to that and maybe even surpassing it. Uh, as terms of like team expectations, I would say this is probably about where I expected them to be. Maybe a few wins uh, uh, less just because, like you said, uh, Bain getting hurt, Jaron, we thought he was going to be out longer than he was. 
Um, and I think before the season, I had them as like the fourth seed. Um, so they are doing, you know, they're uh, surpassing that. But I do think that the climb in the standings probably benefited a little bit from, you know, a lot of teams are not at 100%. Obviously, we've missed a couple guys on the edges. But with D-Book out, Curry out, Kawhi and Paul George missing a bunch of games, I think that probably helped us climb up the standings quite a bit too. Yeah, definitely. And I do also think there's a little bit like, not to say that it was people that followed the Grizzlies. I think it was more people outside of people that followed the Grizzlies that thought that they were going to fall off a lot, like a, a lot more. Like I had, there are people saying they might be a play-in team. They're going to struggle to make the top six, all of that kind of stuff. So my expectations were not nearly that low. I was still saying they'd probably still be top four. I wasn't sure about them fighting for the one seed like they are right now. But I think the fact, like I knew they were going to be top four, at least top six, not worried about the play-in. When you have a guy like Jaw on your team and then Desmond Bain and Jaron playing the way that they have been, like this, it's been incredible to watch. And I do agree. I think watching Jaron play defense has been, it's been just awesome to watch. It's like every time somebody drives to the basket, I'm just, it's like you just know. And, and you can tell like the players on the other team are getting scared a little bit too now because I feel like they don't challenge him as much now I still think he gets challenged a little bit too much I feel like there's also a little bit of the ego where people see like ah this dude is the best shot blocker in the league I'm gonna go dunk on him like that's what Paulo did and it's like so shout out to him but it's (laughs) it's been awesome to watch Jaron kind of develop and all of that and then with Dez I really I really think that if he hadn't got hurt, we'd be looking at his first All-Star nod this year. No question about that. I don't know if he would have got the votes just because All-Star voting is horrible. But I think that when you look at, like, the reserves that are put in by, like, coaches and media and stuff like that, I think that he definitely would have got votes for All-Star. And I think he could have been an All-Star. I think his numbers are down a little bit since he came back, obviously. He's still trying to get back because he was averaging almost, like, 24, 25 a game before he got hurt. And it's like, dude, if you're averaging 24, 25 a game, that's that that's an all-star nod almost every year. I mean, there's been a couple times where it hasn't happened. But if you're also on a team that is going to be probably either the first or second seed in the West going into the all-star game, I think he definitely would have made it. Especially, um, I mean, incredibly, incredibly good shooting numbers. I mean, 45% from three before he went out. And, you know, he's obviously gotten way better. Uh you know, from the field just in general. So that was a big part of it too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, But thank you to Harriet for that question. We're going to move on to the next one. Uh, This next question is from Bryce Oselin. And the question is, can a fully healthy Grizzlies team win the championship this year? I'll let you go ahead and go first if you want to take this one. Yes. I really do think that a this Grizzlies team fully healthy – could win the finals. Uh, you know, like Ja, I do think a matchup against the Celtics uh, would be tough just with all their perimeter defense uh, and their three-point shooting. We know how good the Grizzlies are at uh, closing out on three-pointers. Um, but if they were to face a team like Milwaukee or Brooklyn, I think we fared well against them in the regular season recently. I would still be confident in the Grizzlies. Um, but obviously, we should probably you know, worry about getting out of the West first. Um, and the only teams in the West that really scare me are probably Denver and Golden State. You know, that's no shade to Luka and the Mavs or Zion and the Pelicans. But at the end of the day, I just think Denver and Jokic. Uh, and then with the Grizzlies, I think we're levitating above the rest of the Western Conference. But then I do have, you know, that respect for the Warriors that 
we know like at their best what they look like and how good they can be uh, and how they can, I mean, just, just their home court advantage is uh, pretty ridiculous and being able to feed off of that in the playoffs could be really dangerous. Yeah, I, I will give you the home court advantage thing for the Warriors because I was, in fact, in Chase Center a couple weeks ago, and the energy in there is is kind of crazy, especially when you can tell that the fans don't like the other team, like they don't like the Grizzlies. So it was it was crazy in there. I will give them that. No question about that. Uh, But, yeah, I think that can the Grizzlies win the championship? Yes. Now, I don't know if they're necessarily the favorites or anything. I don't know, like, all what comes into all of that. But I think they definitely can win the championship. It's going to be very tough for them to do it. I mean, I think every year is tough to win a championship. But when you look at the way that the West is kind of shaking out, they're probably going to get a team, like, even if they get the one seed, like, you could end up running into Steph Curry, or you could end up running into LeBron and AD, even if you get the one seed. Like, the, it's it's not necessarily that I think the West has a lot of teams that are necessarily better than the Grizzlies, but there's a lot of teams that are, if they're not better, they're good enough to beat them if the Grizzlies play bad. Like, and that's the way I look at it. So if you catch a team like the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George and they're playing and they're having a good game and you have an off night, that's a team that, especially if you run into them in like a first round series, that's a tough, that's a tough first round series to get through. Same with if you play the Lakers or even the Warriors, which where they're at now, that could be a first round series when you're looking at it. So I think that it's going to be very difficult for them. I, I think it's going to be tough in the West. Like, I, honestly, now I think I have the utmost confidence in their ability to do it. They just got to continue to keep playing the way they have been. I mean, they're on an eight game winning streak now. I know some of the teams haven't been the highest caliber, but I think if they play the way they have for most of the season, I think that they are good enough to beat anybody when they play at their best. So I think that's that's the what that's what I'm leaning towards is if they play at their best, I think they definitely can win a championship. Definitely, I agree. Uh but yeah, I'm going to go to this next question. Uh this one is from my guy uh Vante, OK Vante on Twitter. He asked, "Does this team have the same weaknesses as last year and if so, what has to happen to change that?" So, I will say I think they do have some of the same weaknesses as last year. I mean, not being a great three-point shooting team, I think that has hurt them in their losses. I think they're a better three-point shooting team than they were last year, but it still hurt them. Not being a great free-throw shooting team has definitely hurt them. And then some of the half-court offense stuff has definitely hurt them as well. They haven't been able to score as well in the half-court. Uh, but I do think that that's something that they're getting better at. I think they're still trying to get better at that. Uh, but I think when it comes to like the half court offense, the first thing I would say is they got to get Jaron the ball more because I feel like having a guy that you can just give the ball to and get an easy bucket inside just changes the way your half court offense works. I think that they've done a better job of that on this win streak of prioritizing getting him the ball, especially in spots where he can be effective. I think that that could be a big thing to help the half court offense. Uh, but I also think that some of those lineups with Tyus and Ja will also help. I think we saw a lot more of that like in the Timberwolf series last year where you played both of them just because when Ja is playing off the ball and Tyus is like the facilitator, I just feel like everybody moves so well on the offensive end. 
So I think we might see a little bit more of that. I mean, you do give up a little bit on defense when you do that, but I feel like the added offensive potential, especially in the half court, could help when it gets to the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, I think they do have some of the same weaknesses, but I think they're they're not as weak in those categories as they were last season, I don't think. Yeah, I would agree that the, the struggles in the half court offense concern me. Um, far too often, the Grizzlies are relying on you know, Jago get us a bucket and, you know, he has to fling himself into three defenders and 50-50 gets a call. Um, but I I mean, the Grizzlies are still deadly in transition. They score the second most transition points in the NBA. They scored the most points in the paint in the league and their third and second chance points. So I feel like the offensive rebounding bump this year for Steven Adams has been ridiculous. It's giving us way more possession. So that's really helping – with our struggles in the half court offense, being able to get those and reload, get another possession, it's huge. And, you know, I think running more sets for, for Bain and just getting, you know, we, we have the shooting, obviously Jaws shooting has been bad, but, you know, Tyus, Bain, Brooks, even Jaron, they can all, you know, they can all shoot. So I do think that, you know, obviously on the wrong night, guy, everyone's missing their shots, but I think if we can just, drop some sets and, you know, just find the open shooter and you go through Jaron, like you said, I do think the half-court offense can can be better. Uh, and I'm not too concerned come playoff time. But. Yeah, I think it could be better. And this actually goes into another question uh, because I, I figured that we should talk about it too. They asked, should the Grizzlies make a move at the trade deadline? Who would be kind of off-limits outside of the core three? just to kind of help with some of these weaknesses. This is from Dennis Rodman forever. I would say I think it's likely that they will make a move at the deadline. I don't think it's going to be a big move. I'm not sure, like, who it's going to be for, but I think there could be a move around the edges off the bench that they might make. Now, I could be totally wrong. They haven't made a lot of trades, in, like, during the season. I think the last time they made a trade during the season was actually the Justice Winslow trade. So it might tell you that, Maybe they shouldn't do it. You know what I mean? But I do think that there's a possibility they do, especially when you have some teams around the league that might be looking to sell at the trade deadline. Like, we'll see what the Jazz are looking like because do they really want to get a playing spot or do they want to try to get the draft pick and stuff like that? So I think there could be a couple teams that you could look around and say, or maybe somebody maybe somebody like the Pistons or somebody, they got some older vets like Bogdanovich on their team. So maybe if it's a guy like that, you could see that, somebody that will be coming off the bench. Uh, but I don't think it's going to be – I mean, the starting five, I don't think they're going anywhere this season uh, at all. I mean, Stephen Adams just got that extension. I still think Dylan Brooks is probably going to get an extension, if not before the end of the season, after the end of the season, I guess. Uh, but I would say when you look at guys around the edges like Conchar and Tillman and stuff like that, I'd say Zaire's not going to get traded. He's too young and stuff like that. None of the rookies. But I think like Danny Green, he hasn't played. I think guys like that would be most likely to be used in a trade. But we'll see what happens. The Grizzlies have not been a super trade-heavy team, in at least during the season. Maybe a little bit more when the season's over. Like, in the offseason, they'll make trades, but in the regular season, throughout the flow of the year, they haven't really done it much. Yeah, I agree. I I do not see the Grizzlies making a big move. Um, I I think maybe around, you know, a move around the edges to shore up the bench. Uh, 
but I, I don't see, you know, a large trade package being put together. I, the Grizzlies front office has shown no interest in getting better via trade and they're likely to probably just stand pat and continue to build from within. But if it, you know, a deal were to be made, I do think it's a fair question to be asking who would be off limits. And I agree with you. The entire starting lineup is, um, I mean, it depends on the deal, but that they're definitely off limits. And I think for a number of players, it's just like they're more valuable to the Grizzlies than they would be to someone else. Like Steven Adams is so valuable to the Grizzlies for what he does for John and Bain and how he is able to like work in the offense with them. It's, it's huge and ties obviously what he brings to us. So I, I don't see them being traded. I agree with you that, you know, Conchar Tillman, they're probably there. And Tillman's kind of actually probably raising his value a little recently, which is uh, much appreciated. Um, and then, you know, obviously there are picks if they want to make a move. I just see that the I see the asking prices for some of these, you know, trade targets uh, out there. And I mean, the Pistons are expecting like multiple first round picks for Bogdanovich, which I which I, I'm not sure <laughs> yeah. what they're thinking there. Uh, but I would love like a Malik Beasley off the bench would be would definitely probably be my biggest target. Yeah, I think the most I've heard is Malik Beasley and Jordan Clarkson. I've heard those two guys like mentioned all the time on Grizzlies Twitter on who the Grizzlies should get. And I think that either of those guys would be good. I mean, at the end of the day, I think they just need like one more guy who can come off the bench and hit and knock down threes consistently. I think that's been one of the things uh, which we'll get into it a little bit later. But we had a couple questions. We actually had a couple questions about John Conchar and how he's been playing. And if he's one of the guys like we had one question from my guy uh, Apache Zoe talking about. Uh, do you think that he should be in the rotation over Roddy and also uh, Nicole on Beal, which she also works at GBB with us, asked if Conchar is even going to have a continuous role on the team, right? And I think that when it comes to like trades and stuff, I feel like you see him thrown in there a lot just because he has struggled. And I'll be honest, I think that right now, like, I mean, obviously it's matchup based. I think the only thing you would lose is shooting by putting David Roddy in over John Conchar. But I feel like the thing is when John Conchar isn't hitting shots, he doesn't do a lot of other things, you know, like he might get a steal and he'll, he's had some games where he has had some great rebounding games. Like I'll give him that. He's a great rebounder for his size, but I just feel like he doesn't bring the same kind of stuff defensively. And then I've like, I've never seen Conchar, go and get like his own like go and get a bucket you know what I mean like he ha everything has to be created for him I've seen Roddy at least take the ball put the ball on the floor drive through somebody and score and I think he's a better defender so I think that it's it's a it's a good question at this point in the season I think that Roddy should at least be getting some minutes because he'll help down the line uh and not to say that Conchar just has to be completely out of the rotation. Maybe he can still play some minutes. I do think he still has a role as a bench shooter. I mean, you can never have too many guys that can come off and shoot. But I still think that right now, I think I'd re I'd rather see Roddy just based on how he's been playing and compared to how Conchar's been playing the last couple of weeks. I would agree. Um, I'm also uh, in favor of Roddy getting more minutes in the rotation. You know, Conchar has been a steady rock in this Grizzly rotation. Someone Taylor Jenkins, you know, can consistently rely on. Um, but what the Grizzlies need most from that spot is three-point shooting, which, you know, sometimes Contra has, sometimes he doesn't. Uh, they need perimeter defense and rebounding. 
And I believe that, you know, in time, once he's given the reps, I think Brody can bet, be better than Contar at all three of those. Um, he obviously also provides more size, which can be very useful depending on the matchups. Um, but I think Conchar is just maybe too streaky of a shooter. Um, and like you said, like he's so limited with the ball sometimes. It can be tough to watch. Um, in Wednesday's game against the Spurs, it was the first quarter. There were back-to-back possessions where it ended with Conchar driving into the lane and like just throwing a ball up. I don't know if he even like hit the backboard. And I was just like, how is this like Jaw was on the court? I was like, how is this our offense right now? Um, so I just think, like you said, Roddy, Roddy can do like we've seen Roddy do that. He's shown real flashes of the guy he was at at Colorado State. So I think once he's given more reps and things start clicking and he's gotten used to the NBA, I think he's gonna be a really, really key player that um, that should be getting more minutes now. So he's prepared for the spot he's going to be in. Yeah, for sure. And I think just like that entire bench unit, I think they do have some room where they can definitely improve. Uh, but I think playing more of Roddy and I think if Zaire continues to play the way he that he has been over like the last week, I think they're going to be fine on the bench, even if it is Conchar over Roddy. Uh, but I do think that I, I just I, I like that the way that the rotations have looked for most of the season. Maybe there's a couple things you'd like to tweak here and there, but I don't think there's been any like major issues that I've had with the rotations. Mostly it'll be small things like on a night to night basis on maybe this guy should have played. Maybe, Oh, Roddy should have played instead of Conchar or Zaire when he wasn't playing well, maybe you throw somebody else out there, but he still had to get in the rhythm. So there's a lot of like questions that have came with the roster with all the kind of stuff with injuries and everything, but I think they've navigated it pretty well just overall. And uh, this is one other question. Since we're kind of talking about the bench guys, this was also another one uh, from Dennis Rodman forever when he was talking and asking about what's going on with Jake LaRavia uh, and what do you think is their plan for him? Because it seemed like he, he, he was playing a lot more at the beginning of the season, but we haven't really seen much of him lately. He's been a lot on the hustle. Uh, I would say... Well, because he, he, he also asked, was this always a development plan or has he had some kind of setback? I know he did end up getting hurt. I don't know how much that actually hurt him. I do think that they always saw him as somebody they had to develop. I mean, they've developed a lot of guys. Uh, but I'm, I wouldn't be worried about him yet because I still don't think that with a fully healthy roster, he would be in the rotation. So I think that's why they're kind of using this time to kind of develop him a little bit more for like future seasons. Yeah, I was also wondering this because, um, you know, he, he was very much in the rotation at the beginning of the year. Um, but obviously, that was, uh, you know, uh, I mean, then he, he got hurt and and he was already kind of fading out of the rotation. Um, but I mean, now some nights he can't even crack the roster. You're right. You know, he's been assigned to the hustle. Um, it seems that maybe it was just a matter of timing, too. He, he got hurt as, you know. Bain was coming back and or before that but it's just he's so deep in the rotation now yeah I'm not sure if he would ever get minutes on a healthy Grizzlies team um and you know I we've seen guys go to the hustle and come back and be really valuable players for the Grizzlies so uh I do think that this was probably in the plan I agree especially when you make those two first round picks last year knowing you already have a deep roster you know that those guys are definitely going to spend some time in the G League uh and developing so I would say that we'll probably see more from Jake next year. Uh, but as of this year, it's definitely probably uh, a lot of time with the hustle. 
Yeah, it kind of reminds me. Well, I think he's better than Santi Aldama was when he first came in last year, just like as a shooter and like really just as a basketball player. I think he's a little bit more polished than Santi was. I mean, they don't have the same kind of games, but you know what I mean? I feel like Santi, he he was not good when he first started last season. Let's just keep it. Let's be honest. But I think that that year with the hustle helped him a lot. And I think that after you see the way that he kind of developed, and then you see even a guy like Xavier Tillman, who is now in year like five, and he still goes down in the hustle to kind of stay sharp. And then when they call call on him to play, he's ready. And it's stuff like that, where I think the playing with the hustle is going to be good for him. I think he's, he's had some pretty good games from what I've seen. I haven't seen a ton of the hustle games, but from just looking at the stats and stuff, I've seen that he's had like a 20 point game. He's had, he's had some good games down there. So, I think that it's going to be good for him going forward. Uh, but, yeah, so kind of the end, I had one more question. This is more of a fun question from Great Ambition on Twitter. And the question is, what is your favorite Grizzly nickname? This is a tough one. I don't know if you picked one before. I'm, I have a couple that I'm thinking about. So I'm going to let you go first if you want to take it. Uh. I don't know if it has to be a current player, but I feel like I feel like Zebo is the go-to. I mean, oh I mean, yeah, that, that's what he's known as. But I mean, if I'm talking current, I really don't know how it came about. But I mean, Block Panther is pretty pretty special. See, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when that when that when that was kind of created, but that's just how how it is now, and it, it's even on his basketball reference page. <laughs> I yeah, checked it recently. No. Like I think. Looking at it just completely like from if, if you were looking at it from outside of like Grizzlies fandom, too, I think that's the most creative one. Like, by far, it's the most creative one. Uh, I, I just it's so tough because I like I think Trip is a good one too, just because I think he wears 13. I think Stones for Tyus is pretty cold just because he always takes the big shots going back to like even like that Timberwolf series. So, that's one of my favorite ones. Uh, so I'll I'll agree with you that I think Black Panther is the best one. I'll take Stones as a close second for me. Uh, but I think they do have some pretty good ones. I mean, I, I guess Ja's nickname is Ja, I guess, because he's that's not his real name. If you didn't know that. 12. Yeah, surprise. You can go, yeah, 12. Yeah. That's just his number. But, like, it, it works, too. But it's, it's, it's funny because, like, if you didn't know, Ja is actually his nickname. It's not his real name. So uh, we, we can't forget villain brooks i mean we can't leave that out yeah villain, yeah that was villain even made brooks. by grizzlies fans right i feel like that yeah. was just a bunch of salty utah fans that made that one up yeah that one <laughs> and then oh wait i almost forgot aquamane aquamane for steve-o <laughs> that okay black panther black panther and aquamane are the best ones like that's not that's not even <laughs> a good question uh, so, so, so those are my top two. But I thought, I thought that was a fun question for sure, kind of to end it off. Uh, but Andrew, I appreciate you coming on to this episode for the Next Gen Podcast. Uh, before you go, if you want to tell the people where they can find your work or find your Twitter, you can go ahead and go now. Well, thank you for having me, Bryson. Um, you can find my writing at grizzlybearblues dot com. Uh, my Twitter is Andrew E Katz. Um, and uh, I'm excited for uh. More to come. I'm covering more for uh, Grizzly Bear Blues in the uh, coming months as we get ready for the playoffs. Yes, of course, of course. So be sure to follow Andrew for a lot of coverage and the entire Grizzly Bear Blues podcast network and the site with all of our writing and stuff like that. 
a lot of good podcasts coming out. We got GBB Live, Grizzly Bear Bets for every game. We got the core four. We got the starting five. We got this podcast with the Next Gen Podcast. Uh, so we got a lot of good stuff going on at the Greasy Bear Blues Podcast Network. So be sure to like and subscribe to all of those podcasts and listen to all the new episodes coming out in the coming weeks. And thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you to Andrew again for coming on, and we'll see you all next week.